Welcome to the Lore Life Podcast, where we seek to navigate our days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment. In this season four, we focus on big ideas that will disrupt and evolve the legal profession. On today's episode, we discuss lawyers as parents. With our guest, Lily Kudin, we're asking ourselves, how can we change the system to help parents thrive? I'm Mike Anderson. And I'm Darlene Tonelli. Hey, Darlene. Hello. How are you? Good. I hear proof that you're a parent uh, in the background. <laughs> Can you hear the kiddos? Yes. I, I think careful listeners of the pod will hear the kids in the background on my side throughout our podcast, uh, podcasting efforts in this pandemic. Yes, it's good times. Yeah. It's good times. Yeah. And that's reflective of what so many of us are going through, right? With being at home having work responsibilities, having family responsibilities, whether it's kids or otherwise, um, and it all occurring on the same footprint, this continues to be quite a thing. Yes, it does. How about you? Are you thriving in your parenting days at the moment? Thriving is not a word I think that I would use. One of my clients used a great phrase. Um, She said that you know, you're riding the wave mm-hmm. uh, kind of as, as this stuff goes on. And for the past few weeks, I definitely was on the down or bad part of the wave. I don't know what that's called, but um, certainly it's been, yeah, it's been not an easy couple weeks. I think that it's affecting, you know, the isolation is affecting uh, especially our oldest child um, a lot. And it this is just a long slog. And I think that it's natural to have low energy points. And uh, I was certainly... Uh, feeling that for the past couple weeks. I might be getting out of it now. I feel better, but yeah, that's the deal on my side. I think what you're referring to is the crest is the good and the trough is the bad. Uh-huh. Not from Google. You're in a trough. Yes. Okay. And there's a, there's something in startup lingo about the trough of despair or something. Like it says that every startup goes through these, these things. So I've, I've read that and um, that's why it's, I've, I'm aware of it. I didn't Google it while you were talking, but I was like, yes, the trough and the, and the crust. Um, I would say this week is a mix, but as we've said, every time we've podcasted through this pandemic, it's just up and down, you know, there are great times. And then you think you've got it all sorted and that's the trap. <laughs> you should never, ever think that you've got it all sorted. Um, and especially right now, we've discussed many times, lawyers are not great with uncertainty uh, it's not usually something that I worry too, too much about, but this is a really high level of uncertainty as to what's happening in the fall with kids. I've got one child in daycare uh, that not sure if there's going to be a spot that will accommodate her in the daycare we've been at for years uh, due to the restrictions on size of classes. And then as well for the school, no parents know what's happening yet. So that's very, I find that sort of a latent underlying stress all the time, Yeah, I would say. No, totally. We, I mean, our daughter is meant to be starting junior kindergarten in September. uh, So certainly not how I envisioned that to, you know, her her education uh, time to, to begin. You know, this is different and weird. And I think that even aside from, you know, all the stress that that this has brought along for folks professionally, whether it's, you know, losing work entirely or a reduced work, um, 
or trying to work with a normal, you know, workload in more trying situations. That's all hard. But I think if you just took the parenting side, for those of us that have kids, if you just took the parenting side for lawyers, uh, even in normal circumstances, that would be really, really difficult too on its own. Yeah? Yeah. I have friends who are stay-at-home parents, and they even they are stressed about it because uncertainty, you know, yes, there's uncertainty on all levels, but it, there's no, no one is feeling, I, I don't know, if someone is, please direct message us. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> what is your secret? How? We are going to interview you on our next episode of the Warrior Life Pod. Yeah. And to, you know, you potential thrivers out there on the parenting side, I would love tips on keeping your child socially engaged. Um, it's, yeah, it's been a struggle for me. And there are times where I can see it, uh, that the kids just need to see and talk to people other than, you know, each other and their parents, like for sure. I have to say, we've been having a landscaper do some work around our house lately, and my son is really demonstrating that he needs to talk to people other than us because he's out there just chat, chat, chat with the landscaper. And uh, I, maybe he would be doing that in normal times too, but it's uh, quite funny to see. And thankfully, the guy is patient. You know so, what? Speaking of good chats, though. Yeah. Um, we had a very good chat with our friend Lily Kudin that we are going, obviously that's what this episode features. Um, this was recorded pre-pandemic when we were being, you know, solid podcast professionals loading up a number of episodes for mm-hmm. our big idea season. Now, uh, things change because of not only the pandemic, but also um, the Black Lives Matter movement. And we wanted to make sure that we uh, represented properly our support of that and will continue to do so. Um, But this episode with Lily is really, really great. And it focuses on um, lawyers who are also parents and the, you know, the difficulties, pandemic aside, (laughs) that come along with having a really big responsibility outside of the office when you're a dedicated uh, professional. Uh, specifically, and most importantly, we talk about the impact that uh, the profession has on women parents. Um, and I think it's really important to highlight. It's just a, it's a fun chat. It's an important chat. I think uh, it's one hopefully many of you can relate to. So uh, I'm just really excited. Lily is a pro as well. You'll hear that. She's funny. She's engaging. She is on point. I'm just really excited. Yes, me too. I thought it was a great chat. I thought that she brought a lot of insight and uh, I'm excited to bring it out now. It just seemed so... The reason we've held it back really was that in the beginning of the pandemic, we just thought everything was so crazy. Maybe uh, it wouldn't make sense. But you know, right now, it really makes sense, especially with school and all of the things we've just been talking about. So I'm excited. And she was great. Really fun. Okay. So with that, I will introduce Lily Kudin. Lily is a corporate insolvency and restructuring lawyer. She got her JD uh, in 2011 at the University of Toronto. Uh, She's called to the Ontario Bar and the New York Bar. Um, Not only does she have a day job in insolvency and restructuring, she is the legal expert on CTV's flagship show, The Social. So for those of you in Canada, you will certainly recognize Lily. You've probably maybe benefited from her uh, uh, legal information before. (laughs) At any rate, uh, here's our great chat with Lily Kudin. Hi, nice to be here. 
Hey, old friend. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thanks we, for coming. This is uh, monumentous for you and I because we used to make content together in a different capacity. We sure did. Do you want to tell the people about that? Why don't that? you, Mike? <laughs> so many years ago, before I went to law school, you were, you were studying. You were in law school at the time. I, think. I was newly in law school. Yeah. I worked at MTV Canada, MTV Canada, uh, on the production side. And we were making a show in the studio called The Hills After Show, which featured Dan Levy and Jesse Cruikshank. Many of you probably know Dan Levy of his wild and well-deserved fame now. Yeah. Uh, so they hosted it. And then there was this like panel that would break down the most recent Hills episode, the Lauren Conrad reality television show. And Lily was a panelist. <laughs> and I, since I worked there, would just fill in for people that didn't show up. Yeah, we so were sometimes like, on that panel together. Yes. Breaking down the most pressing issues about Lauren and Whitney's most recent spat. I think that, were you on the finale panel? We might have done that together. We might have. Wonderful, important work we did. Very, <laughs> very. And we're about to do more important work because, well, and, and you Slightly have- Slightly more important. You have <laughs> done different. important work in your personal life. You are a mother of a second child. Yes. Seven weeks in. And, and a first. <laughs> well, implicitly. <laughs> there would, if there's a second, there would be a first. Yeah. Yeah. How's it going? It's going really well. Although, like, I have to say, I laugh because you can't forget the first child because in my case, she is more difficult than the seven-week-old. I have a two-year-old who still doesn't sleep. She's still, like, she's, she's tough in a lot of ways. She's very fiery. We love her. But in real time, she is the bigger problem than the seven-week-old. So. Right. Right. And on top of that, you've been practicing law for seven and a half years. Yeah. At a major Canadian firm. That's right. Insolvency and bankruptcy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And your husband's a lawyer? He's a lawyer. So there's just a lot of practicing law, new parenting. Yes. That's who you are right now. That, that is who we are. My husband has gone in-house. Mm -hmm. So he left big law, thankfully. And I say thankfully because to have two people doing it with young kids, I think is pretty well impossible. Yeah. And this being our big idea season, you're here to talk about the big idea of what the profession could look like if it was ultimately accommodating for parents. That's right. And Darlene. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all kind of in this together a little bit. We are. You have young children. Darlene is also, not only is she passing along the advice to me, but she's passing on a lot of clothing and, and books and toys. Yeah. And Very handy. I fully have. <laughs> now I'm a passer alonger. Good. And I totally understand oh, that yeah. in some ways, when you accept the goods, it's a service. You're help yeah, you're it's helping both. the passer alonger as much as you're helping the totally. Yes. Yeah. You like, what do you do with the stuff? You can't throw it out. Mm -hmm. You gotta, yes. gotta put it to good use. It's a whole other element here. So we're interested, obviously, on the Lawyer Life Pod in talking about parenting, fitting a life into the practice of law, fitting law into a life, all of the issues that come up with that. And you're actually our first guest from the big firm background. And we haven't deliberately excluded big firm background. I mean, both Mike and I started at a big firm, but what we would love is the perspective of all the places. So we bring in-house, we bring our small inter alia background. But we're working on a problem that so many of us are trying to solve. So we want to make sure that we're getting a lot of perspectives. And the fact that you're speaking with a seven-week-old baby is in itself, you're on the front line here. Right. So we're interested in your take. 
And I think any thoughts that you had when you were going out, like, were you afraid with the second child? Obviously, you navigated the first child. You remained at the firm after that. Yeah. You're now, you got your second child. Were you afraid to go and double down on this child and law? Absolutely. And and of course, you have a child. Like, my kids are exactly two years apart. Yes. That means that I was off for a year for maternity leave. Right. And I was only back a couple of months before I was pregnant again. So I think that was one of the biggest challenges because, you know, the the fear is always, you know, what if I have a child and then people just see me as the the person with a child, the parent, the person who's not committed to their career, who's not engaged in their work. And I think that that fear is sort of amplified when you say, I know I'm newly back, but guess what? And it's, I mean, it's, it's difficult because on one hand, in, in some cases, you, you want to wait to have kids so that you're more established in your career. But on the other hand, it means that if you want to have multiple kids, you may be thinking of having them closer together. So it's, you know, it's, there's never a, a right way. There's never a wrong way. It's just, there, there are always landmines that you're trying to sidestep. Well, one of the things I always think is interesting is that the child rearing years, which are biologically based 100%, right? Like they are very biologically based. The partner-making years are not biologically based. Like True. just to make it very simple. <laughs> yeah. Like why do they have to be at the same time? <laughs> do we have thoughts on that as a panel here? <laughs> I mean, it's a great unfairness, let's say, because I always say many firms continue to hold women back. And what I mean by that is, you know, you have your year of call and, and typically if you weren't taking any leaves of absence, you would advance every year with your year of call. You'd advance in pay and you'd move one year closer to partnership. Some firms have said we will continue to advance you even though you take time off, but many firms don't. And so you really are being disadvantaged by this biological function. And I always say, like, how is it fair that we're doing this to women when, like, men aren't being disadvantaged by impregnating a woman? And if they were, maybe maybe we would have stopped this practice a long time ago. Yeah. Mike? And I, I said it <laughs> many episodes ago, but I think one of the... There's, an, there's so many unfairnesses in this exact... One of them is that actually, I think... Being a male lawyer parent is an advantage. I think that you actually get more when you become a parent as a man in the practice. You're looked upon, I think, more steadily. You have this like fodder to talk about your kids because you can, because it's not stigmatized. And so you can talk to clients about your kids. You can talk to others. Like you just become a more relatable person and also one that is kind of admirable. Look at, Mr. Lawyer over there who has three kids at home and is keeping up his great practice and whatever. And there's very little downside. I I like from looking at my male friends that are practicing and the same exact scenario, like aside from the obvious unfair, the most unfair thing of the fact that a man can never carry a baby, it's always beholden on the female in the situation. I should also say that not all couples are men and Men and women. So also, it's always be holding on a female in a couple if you're going to have kids to carry unless you're going to an alternative scenario. But in a male-female relationship, there is no question. The burden is on the woman if the the children are going to come. That's obviously the biggest thing. But secondarily to that, it seems as though everything that a male benefits from afterwards, at least in the office, is, is oftentimes what a female gets a negative from. That's exactly true. And you also, as a man, I think you don't 
have to have that moment where you tell someone that you're uh-huh. expecting. a. You say, we're having a baby. And yeah. someone says to you, that's great. And they mean it. <laughs> mm-hmm. For women, I think, you know, I'm having a baby. And there's this like split second where you can tell, like before they manage to get it together to say like, that's great. You know, there's that moment where it's like, oh, you're going to be gone for a year. This is a problem. Like, who am I? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and you understand because from a business standpoint, there is a hole that they're going to have to fill. Like there are all of these other questions that need to be answered. Mm-hmm. But it's just a very different experience, I think, for a man versus a woman. Which is tied to the fact that women do that first year. Like I got to say, something that I've always been interested in is that part of the reason women have done that is a historically parental leave or father's leave has been very stigmatized. Yeah. I mean, even companies that have had leave for fathers doesn't mean the men are at a point where they feel comfortable taking it. The thing about that conversation is for women, it 90% of the time does mean you're going off for some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100%, let's say 100%. Yeah. You're going to be gone for, in the US, a lot of our listeners are in the States. The maternity leave is almost like a vacation length. So right. it's not the same as in Canada where it's a year but it's still an issue that you have to convey, I'm going off. Or I think for men, they're saying, I'm having a baby. And everyone's like, that's great. And until it becomes equally enshrined that that means everyone's taking some time off, then I think for me, what I always observe is that it's great if men can be there at the beginning. There's the biological period where it can only be the bearer of the child that's off, right? And that needs to not get lost in the equation because it's not the same. Like, And I think we're getting there where we say there's a biological leave and then there's a bonding sort of opportunity with parents. And I, I, in my own choices, wanted my husband to be equally there the first year because I'm like, we're imprinting right now. Like, mm-hmm. this is the behavior. This is, the, this is where we're going to form who's in charge of the home fires. You know what I mean? Right. So there's some, there are different ways of looking at it. I think it's quite personal, really. And I think if people can get to the point where they don't say, oh, it's a woman. She's going to want a year off. She's going to be different when she gets back. She's not going to be committed. These are all just assumptions. Right. And they're often based on like what the man in the relationship or the partner, whatever the gender, to Mike's point, what they are permitted to do. Right. So it's like we bear the assumption, the brunt of assumptions, I yeah. find. Yeah. But is there any, has that changed? I mean, I'm speaking, my kids are five and two. So. Like, was there, did you feel like those assumptions are in play 100%? I think those assumptions are are 100% still in play. And I'm not talking, to be clear, I'm not talking only about my own experience. I have, right. you know, a number of friends and colleagues who are at many different firms who have said pretty much all exactly the same thing. Right. And to your point, I think it it persists through that first year. And then, you know, you come back from maternity leave and... Someone has to, whether you have a nanny or daycare, someone has to be home at a certain point for the child. And I've had um, female friends say, I asked my husband to go home and, you know, go, go do daycare pickup that day. And he said to me, I can't. It's acceptable for you to leave at 530 to be at daycare by six, but it's not acceptable for me to do that. And you understand. I mean, it's it, it's very unfortunate, but in, in a lot of ways, it's true. And so I think one of the things we need to be working on is normalizing the equal sharing. Mm-hmm. I think w- when we talk about giving women more opportunities, like what we're doing is sort of adding to their workload, but not expecting that by integrating women more into the workforce and so on, there there has to be someone picking up the slack. And who better than 
the other biological parent of that child, biological or not biological. And as well, I would say, I know it's hard, gents and people who didn't carry the baby, to buck trends in an office and law firm culture can be very difficult. But to that guy that was like, it's acceptable for you and to pick up a kid and not for me because I'm the guy. At some point, we got to pay the price too, gents and people who didn't carry the baby. Well, and and it's also the recognition that for every time, I'm going to say again, the man, even though it could be anyone, feels that they have to stay late, there is the mom on the other side of that who is being forced to leave early. There's, for some reason, a lack of understanding that, you know, one thing necessarily affects the other. So for every man you are pressuring to stay late, there is, you know, a woman or someone else on the other side of that relationship who's being forced to say, okay, well, then I will just keep making this compromise. Right. That is such an important point. And I think for me, that's where I get hung up with the issue of how do we solve this? And I always think that it's not just a women's issue and we do a disservice calling it just a women's issue because then we're missing our whole allied structure that can help us solve this. Because at the end of the day, this is a parent's issue, right? Right? Because there are women who don't have children who do not need to leave at five. You know, they still probably bear elder care obligations. And, you know, socially women still have a bigger chunk of this. And this is not to obscure that. But I do think that that idea that you just raised, which is there's someone else on the other side of this equation. Yeah. Like we're not worse lawyers. Like I think what troubles me about the comment that, well, it's not acceptable for me to leave. You're kind of buying into if you leave, you're less serious. And for every man who buys into that, there's a woman not related to them, but she's leaving to get the kids. It's like, she's less serious, right? Right. Like it's the same thought. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we have to get the root of those thoughts out then start saying, okay, well, this is a family issue. Families are important. Someone's got to be there. To your point, the kids actually cannot pick up themselves. Like in the billable hour model, we're in a professional services where we are the product type of model. How do we raise the profile of this idea that you can be actually a devoted parent and successful when maybe we are trying to learn that at this level and like the tops of firms learned it on the old model? Does that make sense? I I know what you mean. I mean, we need to be striving to have more, not just women, but more parents like rise to the upper ranks of law firms. We need to have partners and members of management teams who understand that because it really, when I think back, you know, the the comment that, that my friend's husband made that it's not acceptable for me to leave, I actually am quite sympathetic to it because if he is trying to make partner, which he is, Like, it's really hard to want to be the trailblazer, you know, because you don't Mm. know how that's going to turn out. So I think we need to have more people rising to the to the high ranks of of law firms who think that this is an important issue. And, And I think ultimately, the only way that's going to happen is if clients start demanding it. So I think the other side of it is, you know, law firms, of course, are businesses and and they sometimes need to see a business case for things. And if clients start saying, you know, well, show me, show me your numbers, show me someone called in, in 2010 or 2012, the men versus the women, what are the average pay levels that they're achieving? Or show me how many women you have at a senior partner level. 
And there needs to be an understanding that there actually is a financial consequence to these types of decisions because it may not, that may not always be necessary, but I think for the big change to happen, that might be the first big step in the right direction. It also seems like there's some easy wins, like low-hanging fruit that could help people's lives in the meantime. (laughs) And I know, like speaking from personal experience, I mainly work from home and the loss of the commute time, which is wasted time for everybody. Like nobody is doing well with their commuting time. It's it's an impossible endeavor to make that efficient and useful time. So something as simple as like allowing work from home in a in a very significant way could really be a big difference for a, a parent, I feel, because Agreed. you knock off that half hour at the top and the tail and you live if you live near Deer Cake, that's an hour that opens up that hey, I could be billing, you know. Right. And also it I'm my stress level is way lower because it, I know I can get to daycare. I don't have to worry about traffic and blah, 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 blah. Simple ideas like that. Or I guess I'll throw it open to, to to either one of you, are there other things you think that could help in the meantime? I think there are lots of things that could help. <laughs> Let's go. I think, so I think one of the, in big firms, and this may be unique to, to big firms where pay grids are well known and, and in many cases well publicized, I really don't like this thing of holding women back. When you can see before your eyes the pay gap growing between you and the men you started out with, there's a definite morale issue. And I think that's one of the things that works to push women out because it makes you feel like you're not as valuable. And and in tangible terms, you're, you're not as valuable. We're saying we value you this much and it's less than the men you started out with. So again, not necessarily applicable to smaller firms that may have more flexible pay grids, but certainly in the large firms and where the, where the model is set up so that your target is bringing in much more money than, than the amount you're paid. I think we should be looking at letting women progress with their year of call in terms of pay. I think along the same line, something that makes a huge difference, and, and my firm does do some of this, business development, it's a hard thing. When you have young kids, most business development happens at night. It's things like, you know, basketball games, hockey games, cocktail parties. Some firms have started doing business development activities, let's say, that involve families. So they'll have a party to watch the Santa Claus parade, or they'll have, you know, tickets to a concert that, you know, you can sign up and bring everyone, including your kids. And I think it's it's great not only for lawyers, but it's great for clients too. Because, you know, sometimes yes. you go to these business development, these cocktail parties, and you look around and you realize, like, nobody actually wants to be there. Everyone has to be there. But if we could just change, you know, if we could make it a daytime thing, if we could include kids, all of a sudden people might be a lot happier. The other thing, this is one thing I brought up two podcasts ago. Or no, actually, I don't even know how many ago. Who now. knows? Yeah. I was talking about givers in a workplace and how they're often taken for granted, right? Now, there is a, there's a lot to talk about on that issue. Oftentimes, the, the giver, the person who goes above and beyond and basically is the good soldier, does the work, keeps their head down, doesn't complain, all those things, goes above and beyond, does some of the, so to speak, like housekeeping in the office, a bad term, but it, it, that's it. It, it, is a person who is super, super vital but not appreciated, not recognized, money, talent, whatever like that. Right. We can all think of a person in our office like that. I think it's a, it's a fault of management, obviously not to recognize them in all those things. 
But when that person needs to go, whether they're a man or a woman on leave, and let's say we've even established a workplace where a man is just as, as feels just as able to go on parental leave, if you didn't support that person and cross-pollinate your team to know what that person is doing and how they do it, you will always have the problem of when someone says, I'm having a kid, that's a problem in the office, right? Yeah. And you mentioned basketball before, like the Raptors this season, they've had a ton of injuries, they're doing super well, and their chief strength is that they have interchangeable parts, right? Like that you acknowledge that Kyle Lowry can get hurt and I have a solution because we've, we've figured that out. That's one thing I think that is something that if you could solve that, I, it's a hard problem. It takes caring and it takes t- paying attention to people and it takes not over-relying on a person. But if you can solve that problem, it has great secondary effects. Like you'll have a, a happier employee who's key to your office, first of all. But also if that person has to take off for a bit of time, it's not a gaping black hole in the place, right? I think that would be a key thing for people to focus on. And it really earns loyalty. I think with, with yeah. all of these things, they've shown that, you know, if you treat, I'm going to say again, women, but let's say parents, if you treat them well at the time when they need you to treat them mm. well, you earn a very loyal employee, someone who wants to work hard and do well for you. And I think sometimes the long view is missed. It's, you know, for the next few years, I have really young kids who are very needy, but that isn't always going to be the case. So if we could Mm -hmm. work toward a model where you could, for a few years, have a bit of slack, that might do huge things for retaining women and retaining parents. Right now, I think there's a fear that if I ask for some sort of special arrangement, everyone's going to doubt whether I'm committed. It might take me off partner track. Or in some cases, you know, I might end up agreeing to take half the pay, but end up still working 100% of the hours. So if we could find kind of alternative models that become acceptable and that don't take you off partnership track, but just kind of let you tend to, to your children while they need you the most, that might do a lot. Totally. I don't know. I find it so helpful to talk about this with someone who's in it with seven weeks. Like, <laughs> amazing. You could have brought your baby. We offered to Lily. I just want to say yeah. to the listeners <laughs> of the Lawyer Life podcast, we offered to Lily to bring the baby and or your husband who's taking care of the baby into the space. But it would be cool if everyone had the choice to be what they need for their family without any assumptions, right? I agree. I think the assumptions... It's one of the hardest things to deal with. And I acknowledge, I mean, there's a real tension between, like I'm always saying, I want you to treat me like everyone else. However, I need to be treated not like everyone else. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, also not like everyone. Also completely differently. Because you sort of, you need the understanding that you have young kids at home and that they need you and that you want to be there, but you also want to have equal opportunity. And I think the only answer is that the, the entire system has to change so that we're just, our expectations are different so that I can be treated like everyone else, but that what everyone else is expected to do is more sort of I'll call it normal, like more, there's more ability to balance your personal life and your work life. That's great. So the big question we're asking everybody in this season as we, as we finish our interviews, this is the big ideas season. So if you could snap your fingers and make a big change, that could happen right now, what would that thing be? What would you, you, you just go bang and all of a sudden the profession changes. What is that change and what comes from that change? 
I think it would be to have more allies at the top ranks of management in law firms. Sometimes you encounter men and women, I will say equally, who are not allies, they're enemies. And by enemies, I mean they they work against the cause. And I think if I could snap my fingers, I would say those people would either keep quiet <laughs> because that opinion can do more harm than good, or they would really start to engage in some of the conversations that are happening among people with young kids to recognize how difficult it is to be in a big law firm with a young family and wanting to do well at everything. All right. It's a good one. It's a big idea. This is so great. So speaking of good, we're going to go to a break and we'll come back with our goods and gripes. The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Interalia Law. Interalia lawyers have big firm training, in-house experience, and a wide range of expertise in technology, media, and entertainment. Our advice is business-focused, speedy, and practical. To learn more, visit interalialaw.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Law.com. And we are back with our goods and gripes. Goods are things we want to promote and support, and gripes are things that annoy us. Who's got one? Guest first. Okay, my good Uh reboots. TV reboots. Really? Yes. Wow. And I felt it necessary to say this is a hot take. So many people hate reboots. Yeah. I think they're the best thing. Example. I Gilmore Girls, obviously. (laughs) I I can't believe you had to ask. Right. I read yesterday that Amy Sherman Palladino said there may be more Gilmore Girls episodes, and I haven't been that happy in, I mean, certainly as long as I can remember. And I'll remind you, I just had a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So I have two goods. One is the fact that you are doing something regularly on television that almost, I don't know if any other lawyer in Canada does, which is you go on the social, which is a the the one of the fine television properties in this country and you answer legal questions from people from all like of all different kinds i do and i think that that is first of all like well as i said super unique and great and second of all great service third of all i feel like it might must be gratifying for you and must be a nice thing to do it really is i think that uh, one of the things that lawyers in big law grapple with mm-hmm. is the idea that we just kind of serve People who have a lot of money, who can have a really high legal spend. And it does feel really good to be able to kind of provide legal information to people that can potentially save them time and money and hassle and, and can help them. Yeah, it's super generous. That's great. I mean, I love it, too. Yeah. <laughs> I also love it. It's a lot of fun. What kind of issues? You, you name it. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an insolvency and restructuring lawyer, but that is typically not what your average person wants to hear <laughs> about. So we talk about everything from, you know, family law to property law, the, the kinds of things that would affect your everyday life, buying a house, getting a divorce, you know, any, any of those. Things. Yeah. Like I like the one, wasn't there one like about a neighbor's tree or something? Yes. Neighbor issues are a hot topic. Yeah. Everyone has neighbors and everyone has problems with their neighbors. Yeah. My second good, I kind of is kind of similar. I just like how we're, I think we're in a moment right now with 
the media we take in that we're really focused on self-improvement. Obviously, like this podcast is about that. But oh, and I'm sure you're watching it, Lily, the Goop Netflix. I have not watched it <gasps> yet. I have an interesting relationship with Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> is it, first of all, is it one-sided? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you asked her, she would have no idea. <laughs> I just like the fact that people are now really focused on trying to get better and looking at like different ways to do it and that it's a common thing to like talk about and do and listen to and watch. I think that's really exciting. How about a gripe? My biggest gripe these days is accessibility. I yeah. living, really learned that. Oh my God. And I feel so fortunate that my accessibility issue is a stroller, mm-hmm. which is something that is easily fixed. And if I can find someone on the street to help me carry the stroller, I can do that. I, it is amazing to me that in a city like Toronto, like subway stations don't have elevators or they have them and they say, you know, this elevator is under construction for the next eight months. Like, how is anyone supposed to get around? I just, it has made me acutely aware of the issues that we need to fix because I just feel so bad for anyone who really is reliant on escalators, elevators, all of these things. And it's amazing how many places do not have them. You're yes. Here. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, this has been lovely to get back into the content making business with you, Lily. <laughs> Thank you for having it's me. It's been too long. I know. I can't wait. Next time we'll have to get more into uh, Lauren's new business. Don't what is Lauren Conrad doing? Oh, she she's doing everything. She's an author. Okay. She's okay. a lifestyle expert. Mm-hmm. She's, like, she's like Gwyneth Paltrow. What was the guy's name with Bob, Justin, Justin Bobby? Bobby. <laughs> the whole crew. Those, those fun misfits having a time in L.A. And they're doing it all over again. That was a reboot. It was a reboot too. It was that was a bad reboot. That was a really that was a really <laughs> bad reboot. Okay. Well, they're all not all not all destined for greatness. No. Okay. Well, this is lovely. Lily, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Darlene, we'll talk soon. Talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Inter Alia Law for presenting the podcast and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon.